0: When your ideal customer's kids are begging every night to read your book, you've won. At Dinosaur House, we turn industry leaders into kids book authors. We don't do it because it's a super fun thing to do, although it is. We do it because it's highly strategic. Imagine if every night your customers are being asked by their kids to read a book that your company made. Talk about brand affinity you're helping your customers connect deeply with the most important thing in their lives, their kids, over something that they are passionate about that has to do with your industry. If you want to have a conversation with us about how your brand could become the author of a kid's book, just hit us up, dinosaurhouse.com. Hit the little button that says, schedule a story design call. And we'll have a jam session together on just what your company's kids book could and should be.
1: What's up, everybody? This is Jimmy Rex uh, with the Rex Real Estate Team, and we are the Vake Coaching Program. And you are listening to the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. And again, I am Jimmy Rex.
0: What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer. And my guest today is Jimmy Rex. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being a guest.
1: Dude, very cool podcast you got going, man. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. So really quickly, to give our listeners context, as bullet pointy as you can, I'd love for you to tell us what is your business, as in what is it that you sell and to who, uh, and what has been your growth?
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit all over the place, man. It's kind of a fun way to to live, but I got about 20 different irons in the fire. I'm a real estate guy at my heart. That's kind of where I got my name. That's where I built my original business was just being a real estate agent. Um, I still have my real estate team today. We sell, you know, four or 500 homes a year. My real estate team does, but I also have a company that flips homes. I've got a coaching program um, that, well, two different programs, one that teaches people how to invest in real estate, another one that teaches them how to kind of just live their best life kind of like a coaching program for that. And uh, yeah, man, just investing all the time and doing fun stuff. So I'm a little bit all over the place, but uh, more than anything, I just love being in business, being involved with coaching and training and, and everything that comes with real estate.
0: Of all the businesses that you've got going on, which one do you find you're either the most excited about, most passionate about, talk about the most or focus your attention on the most?
1: I I just love the investing side of things, man. Like when I was younger, you know, we didn't have all these different podcasts and YouTube and even books and things to learn how to invest the right way. And I made a lot of mistakes. And so as I've gotten older and I've now been able to help, uh, you know, over 2000 different people invest in real estate in one way or another. And I really uh, try to be the person that I needed when I was younger, like the person that, can teach you the right way to invest, to make money. And so I I would say of all the things that I do, my favorite thing that I do is just helping people invest in real estate. We put a lot of effort and time into making sure that they all do it the right way and that every single person um, has a strategy that's going to succeed in the long run.
0: When you think about the strategy of investing in real estate, what is something that you believe that not enough people are thinking about or people are just not thinking about the right way?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very easy to get caught up in the craziness of real estate investing, right? There's a lot of FOMO that takes place. A lot of people that are like, um, there's a lot of people trying to sell you products that maybe don't have your best interest in mind. A lot of different ideas around how to invest in real estate. But the one thing that I always come back to is no matter what, you got to make sure that your property cash flows. If the market were to tank tomorrow, this is kind of the litmus test to find out if it's a good investment property. But if the market were to tank 25% tomorrow and you're still happy that you own that real estate property, then you know you've got a great property. Because if you have the cash flow, even if the market tanks, the value, you're still collecting money every month. You're still paying down your principal. You're still getting all the tax benefits. You're still going to be happy you have that property. But that's the one thing that I tell people right now like don't get up, you know, too caught up in the craze of everything. Make sure that whatever you're buying has cash flow.
0: Why do you think so many people are not thinking that way?
1: Well, I think it's a couple of things. One is a lot of people just don't know, you know, when I was younger, um, I was just listening to other people. A lot of people hear their brother, their uncle, you know, they're at the dinner table and hear the random person that bought this house and it's gone up $200,000. Like, well, I want to start investing in real estate and they don't really know what it looks like. They don't, know what to buy. They're just listening to somebody that, you know, got a little bit lucky flipping a house maybe, or maybe they just bought a house at the right time. And so they end up just kind of making bad decisions. Um, even real estate agents, you know, it's kind of funny. I wrote a book called the next wave of influence in real estate. And in that book, I interviewed the top hundred real estate agents from across the country. And one of the questions I asked them all was what's your personal real estate investment strategy? and Timmy is crazy, man, of all of the agents that I interviewed, I would say half of them have never bought a real estate property as an investment for themselves. Now, these are the top millennial agents in the country. So if they're not doing it, your Dang. average real estate agent, I mean, you've got, you've got literally close to a million real estate agents across the country. I would guess the majority of them have no idea how to buy an investment property because it's a lot different than just buying a house, you know, for yourself. And so I think a lot of it is people just don't know. And I think a lot of it is people just listen to whoever random person comes into their life. And, you know, I mean, I look at hundreds of deals before I ever invest in a house and the average person is just looking at two, three, maybe five properties. And so that's, I think why people make those mistakes sometimes.
0: Um, that's crazy. Just, and it honestly, it makes me think like, what a, what a cool concept for a book. Sorry, this is completely unrelated, but uh, I've been thinking about like, if I were to write a book, what would I want to write about? And I'm like, well, I have done 110 interviews with successful entrepreneurs, asking them how they want to be remembered when they die. So I don't know, maybe there's a book in there. That would be interesting. What are the most common answers? Like how are most people thinking about it? Um, Not related to what I was just about to ask you. What I was just about to ask you was when you think, just switching gears slightly, when you think about um, the challenges of growing a business, what is something that you believe about leading a company or growing a business that you think, not enough business leaders are thinking about?
1: Um, you know, I think when, I, when you're younger, it's kind of like, look at me, look what I'm growing, look what I'm doing. And you're trying to build something and you, you kind of think that it evolves around you. And as you get older, you realize that to be a great leader, all that you really do is inspire other people to be great. And so um, I think the number one thing to do as a, as a successful leader is to find that greatness in everybody around you. You know, find what everybody else excels at make sure that you got them in the right roles and then make sure that you buoy them up because truly like nobody cares you know how great of a leader you are as far as that goes if you're the only leader and like people always say to me they're like how do you have so much time to do all this other stuff i don't understand like all these real estate agents, like i feel like i'm working 50 hours a week i feel like you're never even in the office and the difference is is i empowered my people for a long time now to be the person to do that. And so I've allowed everybody in my business to grow with me. And so I don't have to be the one that has to do all the work. You know, My team is amazing. They're better at each of their jobs than I am. And I'm able to help them just continue to succeed, succeed and excel at what they're doing. And that allows me to always be growing and doing other things as well. And so I think the hardest part for people, at least in my industry, is they're very afraid to let go of you know certain tasks or certain, certain things they think only they can do. And my team made mistakes along the way, cost me some deals, cost me some money, but I never never wanted to be attached to every deal where I had to be the one doing it. And so I had to set up my business in a way to empower those other people. And I think that's the mark of a real leader.
0: Practically, the question of how do you inspire uh, the people in your company to be great leaders? What's something that you've had like a big aha moment? Like what's an aha moment that you've had about how to actually do that?
1: Um, well, I think the number one thing is trust. You've got to trust them. Like, if they know that you trust them. So, when a big thing comes up, I give it to my team to do it. And they're like, wow, like, are you sure you want me to handle this? Like, what if it goes wrong? I'm like, no, oh, you got this. I totally trust you. And so, I think just empowering them with trust, like letting them, you know, a lot of leaders are like, they pretend like they're going to let the team do it. But when push comes to shove, if it's really important, they take it back or do it themselves or rush in to fix it, you know, and I just let my team do it. And I think that's the number one thing you can do is just show them you fully trust them. Like, and I'll tell them, I'll say, look, if I give you this task, I don't want to have to follow up with it.
0: I just still assume it's done. If I give it to you to do. What happens when you're trying to do that and somebody will give you strong pushback that they don't trust themselves with the task. And so <laughs> they don't want you to trust them with the task.
1: I don't get that for my team because I got the right people in place. You know, it's, it's, there's a, too many people try to take an eagle, uh, excuse me, try to take a duck and, and pretend that they're an eagle. I mean, I spend so much time on finding the right people as opposed to um, trying to train up a duck to be an eagle. I just look for eagles. I mean, the guys I have on my team, the people I have on my team are unbelievable. Everybody always tries to steal them away from me, but they don't understand you know, how tied in we are because I've empowered them from day one. I've trusted them from day one. I've paid them well from day one. And so my team is really dialed in. I don't have people on my team that I can't give those tasks to. And if and my team knows that it's okay not to have an answer too. So like we have a role. If you don't know, then all you have to say is, you know what? I'm not sure I can find out. Or, you know, so we let each other know. And that way you're not pretending to do something you don't know how to do, but it's actually okay not to know how to do it as well. They can give it back to me. So like my assistant, Chris, anytime something big comes up and I'm having him work on it, this happens quite a bit, but he'll say, hey, I think you need to get involved here. This is getting pretty serious and that's fine. Like that's one of those negotiations where I am, you know, as good as anybody there is. And so that's now my job to step in and kind of save that deal or try to figure out what we need to do.
0: And you don't find that you're having to do that a lot. Maybe it's just because I'm in the first year of the business. And so it's more challenging for me to not be constantly stepping in to save things but uh what is your advice when that's the case or is that your is that your experience i
1: trust you no know, i would trust your team more man like yeah like unless they're unless they're coming to you and telling you that they need you to take it over um they let them do it and let them fail like it's okay like you know it's it's only a failure if you don't learn from it like i always Agreed. have had the big i've always had the big picture in mind my entire career i've had the big picture in mind so If I lost a deal in a short term or if something got screwed up short term, I'm always okay with that because I was building for the future always. And so, you know, I would just trust your team and say, you know what, I know I could do this, but it's your job to do it this time. Let's just see how it goes and we'll go from there and then just let them do it.
0: I love let's just see how it goes. Like, I I love that approach. Like when, whenever I have someone on my team that's nervous, uh, and it's like, hey, you know, I don't exactly know the answer either. But I would much rather us go with what you think the right answer is, and see how it goes. And we'll just learn together. That is one of my favorite ways of just problem solving things within the business.
1: Yeah, man, it works. And it's, you know, that's how you that's how you build trust. That's how they know that, you know what, he's got me like, He's, and, and you let them know that it's okay to make mistakes. So when they screw it up, you don't chastise them. You don't yell at them, whatever else. Cause then they're not afraid to take a little bit of a risk the next time they, they grow, you know, they they know that it's okay. It's acceptable to make mistakes.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Um, Jimmy, the reason I started this podcast is because I thought it would be cool to ask uh, successful entrepreneurs how they think about their purpose Now, you wrote a book, and I don't think that most people write a book if they're not thinking about purpose. My question for you is, when you think about the question like, uh, what do I want to be known for, or what do I feel like I'm living my life for, what jumps out to you as important?
1: Yeah, so I actually went through the exercise. I've put a lot of time and effort to figuring out what my life's purpose is. And I went to a Tony Robbins seminar, the Date with Destiny seminar, and you spend six, seven days figuring out your life's purpose. And mine is the purpose of my life is to share my tremendous love with all of God's children, bringing happiness to others through my playful soul. And by being an example of living an extraordinary life, that is my purpose. And that's ingrained in me. I read that every single day it's written on my wall in my vision room. And I just, I'm always everything I'm doing. I can run through that filter and I can make sure I'm in integrity make sure I'm working towards my purpose. And so it's really cool to finally, you know, to have gone through that exercise and really put the time and effort into figuring out my purpose.
0: Can you describe this uh, Tony Robbins thing that you did? Uh, Like, what was it, what was that like? And how did you, how did that lead you to that, to uncovering that as your purpose?
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you literally go through exercise after exercise, you know, you go, you start back at your childhood, your earliest memories, and you think of what makes you happy. You think of what makes you sad and you, figure out what your values are that you want to go towards and values you're going, you know, you want to go against. And you just, you put this all together and through you intertwine it all. And then you spend a lot of time in, you know, meditations and exercises figuring out exactly what is your soul? Like, what are your values? What are you trying to be? What, what is the purpose of you being here on this planet? And um, for mine, it was pretty awesome, man. When I finally came up with it, I was like, it gave me chills. I was like, Oh my gosh, that is me to, to my core and everybody that knows me. They all say the same thing. They're like, dude, that's exactly how you live. And I'm like, I know, because I run it through the filter of whether or not it fits into my life's purpose. And so there's a couple key words in there, you know. One of them is playful, um, through my playful soul. Like anytime I'm out of um sync, I guess you could say, I can tell I'm not being playful. It's very yeah. hard to be playful and stressed. It's very hard to be playful and be negative. It's very hard to be playful and be angry or be jealous, you know. And so Keeping a playful attitude is a very important part of my life. Um, The last part of it is to be an example, (coughs) excuse me, of living an extraordinary life. I always want to make sure that what I'm doing is I'm pushing the envelope. I'm encouraging people to get out of their safeties. On my entire book I wrote, um, the subtitle is The Hidden Dangers of Living a Safe Life. I want to show people what it looks like to live an extraordinary life. So I'm always pushing myself to do things that make me uncomfortable. The quality of your life will be probably proportionate to the number of of uncomfortability you're willing to deal with. And so I'm always pushing it. Like my birthday party is coming up in a week and a half and I'm taking 32 of my best buddies and we're going to Moab on this fun bus for a whole weekend. We're going to go canyoneering and jeeping, do all this fun stuff. And the last day we're going to do this giant rope swing. If you put go on YouTube and just put Moab giant rope swing, you basically jump off a cliff, 200 foot free fall, And then the the rope catches you and swings you through this canyon. And me and my buddies are literally putting this thing together. And every single person is like, that's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. But I'm doing that for my friends because that's my gift to them for my birthday. But it's just another example of pushing people out of their comfort zone. You know, I, I push myself all the time. I make sure that I'm always investing all my money and putting it to work. And it forces me to be uncomfortable again. I don't wanna have a couple million bucks just sitting in my bank account. And so I'm always pushing. I'm always trying to do more. And that encourages a lot of my friends. It's cool. Like we just did this restaurant investment and, uh, you know, I ended up getting over 20 of my buddies invested in it with me and I didn't even ask for money. I wasn't trying to raise money. They all saw that I was doing it and asked if they could be a part of it. So I went back to this, you know, the main people and syndicated that deal, but that's what's cool about by living it, by being an example of living an extraordinary life you give permission. It's a gift to everyone in your life because you're giving them permission to come with you. And if they don't want to, that's up to them, but you're giving them the gift of showing them, Hey, you're going to get left behind. If you don't come with us, we're all pushing to be better every day. We're all pushing ourselves to be more. And I'm proud that my, I mean, the group of friends that, you know, that I have around me, the group of people that I'm surrounded with, I mean, they are the most amazing humans in the world. And it's because we're always pushing each other. I mean, can you imagine showing up to our group of friends and you're like, you know, somebody's new or something. And they ask you like, Oh, what do you do, man? And he's like, Oh, I'm just kind of between jobs, trying to figure out what I want to do next. Like, what the hell's wrong with you, dude, get your shit together, you know? And so by having that for each other and dude, we all push each other to be better dads, to be better husbands, to be better boyfriends, all that kind of stuff. And so, It's, uh, I think that's, you know, one of the big purposes of my life is just to show people what is possible if you get out of, you know, trying to play it safe or trying to live that comfortable life.
0: Yeah, I love that. Why did you main title the book? uh, You, what is it? You get where you're going. You end up where you're heading. You end
1: up where you're heading, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because it's one of those things like people... You know, they look back at their lives and like, oh, how did I get here? It's like, well, it was a decision. Uh, it was a series of decisions that you made every single day that leads you to where you are. Like, we all end up where we're heading. Like, if you, um, you know, put the time and the effort in to better yourself every single day, you're going to end up in a good place. But if you're slacking, if you're wasting time, if you're negative, if you're fighting people online all day or whatever else you're doing to waste your time, you're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. You're going to end up in a really bad spot. And it's like the most obvious thing, but it's one of those things that people literally like, they're like, oh, I can't believe, you know, people think that success, just like some success fairy comes and touches certain people and they end up being successful. Like couldn't be more the opposite. It's literally a series of decisions that you make every single day that leads you to wherever you are, you're you're going. And so anyway, that's why I named the book that because you know that I show in the book, the path that a person can take to end up where they want to be. And if you really want to get there, it requires a lot of work. And I always say, you know, when you're uh, hard on yourself, life is easy on you. But if you're easy on yourself, then life is hard on you. And I mean, being broke is hard, but working hard is also hard. So it's kind of like pick your hard, you know? And yeah, um, I don't know, for me, people, somebody asked me once, like, how do you keep your motivation every day? And I was like, I don't know, what's the alternative to just be a loser? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to be great. And so um, I think for me, it's, it's one of the most important things that we can understand about our lives is we absolutely control the destiny of our own life. Like we get to decide whatever it's going to look like is going to be because of the decisions that we make every single day.
0: Yeah. I think people get tripped up when they think about how much control you have over your life. Cause the reality is you don't have control over every detail of your life, but you do have control over the trajectory of your life. Uh, you know, you don't, I don't know that you necessarily, maybe I'm curious to hear what you have to say to this, but I don't know that you necessarily have the degree of control over your life where you can be like, I am going to get into this exact position in X amount of time. I don't think anybody has that degree of control.
1: You have a lot more control than you think. I mean, you know, I I think when you truly manifest something and just say, you know what, I'm going to make this happen. I think that the odds of it happening are going to be a lot higher. And so I don't know. It's not like you can't just say this is going to happen, but like when you mix hard work and, and learning the skills that you need, getting the connections and the networking that you need to make those things happen, there's very few things I can't, you know, that I don't think many people can make happen. I mean, obviously I'm never going to be an NBA basketball player, no matter how much I think of it or say I'm going to do it. Like, but that's why I'm not manifesting that either, you know, but like, I just think too many people Uh, they give up their power to choose what they want their life to look like. And Mm -hmm. by the way, like, it's not necessarily means that like, I'm going to be the richest guy in the world, but I can choose how I perceive the life that I've now created for myself. And you absolutely like Viktor Frankl, you know, if you've ever read man's search for meaning, one of the best books ever written because of his attitude of when he was in the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. And he said, you know, it's on my wall in my office. He said, the last of one's, that somebody can take from you is your ability to choose in in any given circumstance, how you view that thing. So like we have the opportunity to choose and look at our lives, however we want, you can play victim, or you can just say, you know what, the world works for me. And I don't know how this particular thing is going to work for me yet. But I know it's going to. And I think the more we remind ourselves of that, the more the universe just conspires in our favor to give us what we want. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Jimmy, I've got two for fun questions for you that I want to ask. So the first one is I'm a kid's book author, and I believe that part of leaving a legacy or communicating purpose means reaching kids. What's a topic you would make a kid's book about if you could. Um,
1: uh, And I probably want to talk to you about this. I've had ideas to do some kids books, but I think it's so important nowadays there's a lot of messaging towards kids that they're victims um, you know, like they're oppressed or whatever else. And it's just not true. Um, and even if you are a victim, um, cause there are a lot of kids, unfortunately, that are victims of abuse and all sorts of atrocities and things like that, but you get to decide what it means to you. And so I would make a book that really helps kids to be able to realize that even if you've been a victim, it, it doesn't help you to, uh, to fall into the trap of playing that story, falling in love with that story and how you can control the outcome of what you want your life to be. I'd probably write something about that.
0: I think that's an incredible idea for a book. What do you think the impact of if that book actually existed and kids were reading that, what do you think that that would change?
1: Well, and again, it's like, you know, and I think that we don't give enough credit to all the kids out there that are, you know, just going for it and living their dreams. I think there's a lot of that still happening, but there is a lot, unfortunately you hear it a lot. um, People that, that play victim. And I think the more and more you can help people understand that they're not like, and even if you are, again, it just doesn't serve you. Um, you help people take back the control of their own lives. There's nothing more disempowering than saying, I am a victim of X and therefore I cannot do Y. Right. And so when you say the opposite, like, hey, like there's the story of the two brothers, okay? They grew up with an abusive alcoholic dad and they lose track of each other for, you know, all these years or whatever. And then they end up fighting each other years later. One of them is a drunk. He's been in and out of, you know, uh, jail. He's just, his life's been a complete mess. The other one's one of the most successful, beautiful humans in town. He's got a great family, friends, just succeeding in every aspect of life. And they go up to the first guy and they say, you know, like, hey, you're a drunk. You've you've kind of squandered your entire life. You've been in and out of jail. What's going on, man? He said, well, my dad was a drunk. You know, I didn't really have a choice. This is the life that I was bound to have. And then they go to the other brother and they say, you know, you've got this hugely successful life. Everything's happened for you. You've got this beautiful family business just thriving in every way of life. You know, how did you make this happen? He said, you know, well, the thing is, is my dad was a drunk and an alcoholic and abusive. And so honestly, I didn't really have a choice. This is what I had to do. <laughs> It's the same thing. It's just how we choose to pursue the information that we receive. Both felt like had to go down that path because of who their dad was. And so we ultimately get to decide, like we have different outcomes based upon the actions that we take, the meaning that we give to whatever happens to us in our lives.
0: Yeah, uh, Jimmy, that's awesome. My last for fun question for you is what is something that you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at?
1: Yeah, I started learning six twelve ago.
0: So Jimmy, my last for fun question for you is what is something that you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at? Well, I
1: suck at holding still. I'm always doing stuff. I'm not one to sit down and just friggin' zone out, meditate. And I need to get better at that. It's been on my list of things to get better at forever. So I'm trying to do things that help me slow down. And the meanwhile, it seems like I just add more and more to my plate. But playing piano is a thing that um, I've started doing. um, And I suck still. But uh, that's something, you know, just in general, slowing down, but specifically learning to play the piano better.
0: Why do you think it's problematic to uh, not be able to slow down? Like, do you, is that having effects on you in other areas of life?
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think, you know, you have to, and I do do a good job of taking care of myself and make sure I put myself first and all that. But I think just letting genius flow into you and letting answers come to you and um, you know, just not always feeling like that you're in rushed and just being able to enjoy things a little bit more. I think that's something that I could, definitely do better
0: yeah yeah i think i struggle with it too and for me personally and maybe i'm just pinning anger like i'm just attaching anger to it but i to me it feels correlated that i struggle to slow down and be at peace and i can get explosively angry about like random stuff
1: yeah and and again i think i've worked through a lot of the i used to have the same thing i've worked through a lot of that i haven't been angry in a really long time i've Kind of learned how to process that a lot better but it definitely goes together like i was mad at some, a friend a couple of weeks ago and we got in a little fight and i almost texted i literally wrote it out it was brutal it was like going for the jugular i know exactly where the pain point is with him you know and i freaking wrote it out and i was like don't send it i was like mad because we were fighting and i was like you'll regret it later because he's a good dude i really like the guy and i deleted it wrote something much nicer didn't hear from him for a week and a half, finally called me up. He's like, I'm so sorry, man. I freaking love you, bro. Like I just, even if you don't want to be my friend anymore, I still want to be yours. I was going through a hard day that day. And I was like so glad that I didn't let my anger take over and write that text because it was really easy to come back from, you know, but if I had written that out, we probably, we would have never been friends again. Yeah.
0: Dang, man. That's a good lesson right there. Uh, Jimmy, this has been a really fun interview. Uh, where are you most active on social for people to connect with you?
1: Yeah, my Instagram is the best place to reach me at, man. Mr. Jimmy Rex, um, and super easy to reach me there. I respond to everybody's DMs. That's where I post everything I got going on, my own podcast, my books, my training courses. So I would say follow me there. And, and yeah, most people seem to enjoy the ride when they uh, follow me on my stories. So we, we, we stay entertained.
0: Great, man. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much for being on.
1: Likewise, man. Thanks, dude.